Welcome to B2B Podcast Stories, brought to you by GHA Marketing. Our guest today is Dr. Tom Hickey, founder and host of the MedTech Guru Podcast. Motivated by the potential to share valuable insights and stories, MedTech Guru's podcast serves as a platform to educate and share information within the MedTech niche, offering a unique perspective on the industry with significant intersections between technology and healthcare. Today, expect to learn the importance of passion in podcasting and how to embrace a learning mindset. Discover how building an audience and desired results can take time, requiring patience and perseverance. The significance of discipline in maintaining a regular podcasting schedule and establishing a process for more efficient podcast production. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show and we're going to keep bringing you amazing guests and stories about all the different ways having a podcast can help your business. And with that, here's Dr. Tom. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the show, the B2B Podcast Stories. We're going to talk today about a very interesting niche and a very interesting podcast, the MedTech Gurus. So maybe to begin with, can you walk us through what's your podcast and what are you doing in there? Yeah, first of all, it's a, it's a delight to be here. Uh, it, it's a, a pleasure to uh, have a, the opportunity to speak with the two of you and your audience. So MedTech Gurus is a podcast that's about the innovations in medical technology. And with that, we get a little eclectic in the sense of we're not just always talking to innovators, but we're talking to individuals or organizations that have an impact on medical technology. And that might be clinician users of technology. It might be individuals from supply chain. How do you acquire this technology? So we're, we look at all the different facets of what might affect an innovator as they get ready to bring a idea to market and even go as far as sometimes talking to investors, right? So, cause we all know you got to raise money to, you know, to often scale an organization. So we, we look at all the different areas that can impact med tech innovation and getting it ready to bring it forward, to be used on patients. Why gurus, gurus, however the right accent is, why choosing that White name? gurus? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those uh, things that kind of came to me, right? When I started thinking about this, it's, it's, you know, gurus being a teacher, gurus, you know, being, you know, thought leader. And that was really what I wanted to try to connect with, with the podcast is how do we be, how do we uh, help and teach people? And, and guide them through the path. And in my mind, that's what a guru is. Love that. So how about, take us from the beginning through the story then. Why did you start it in the first place? I love that question because it started for me back uh, six or seven years ago. You know, oftentimes in the morning when it's, uh, the weather's you know, relatively nice here, I would just go out for power walks to get my day going. And I was listening to podcasts. And, uh, you know, a couple different podcasts out there that I would listen to about, uh, you know, marketing products, uh, entrepreneurism, those types of things. And I thought, wow, you know, this, this is really an interesting avenue to promote thought leadership and help others in the industry. And I started looking around specifically around med tech at the time. 
And to my surprise, there wasn't much out there for medical technology. There's some some great podcasts, some great hosts in and around how to be an entrepreneur or how to how to be an innovator or how to sell or how to market. But you know, the whole concept of looking at something and niching and then niching again. So I, I looked at med tech and there wasn't much there. And I thought, huh, okay, maybe we can do something around that. So it was really the, the, the just walking around and listening to other terrific hosts, bringing great value and thinking, wow, you know, I'm 35 plus years in the medical device industry. Perhaps I can bring some value that way too. And that was the, the genesis of the idea. So love that. So the first intention of the podcast, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the idea of a podcast and we, we advocate for it, obviously, is that it's such a powerful networking tool, especially in the B2B space. But for your particular case, the intention was much, much more like, hey, there is nobody talking about this, whereas there is lots of interesting stuff and there is lots of people to educate as well. So it was really much more about, okay, there is the, obviously, technology niche, there is the medical niche. There is the intersection with the medtech, which is huge, by the way. And you, you're going to walk us to this a bit later on, but like, it's an amazing industry, like, but nobody's talking about it, at least in a podcast format. So how about I just start that? Did I, did I summarize that correctly? Yeah, hundred percent. Right. It's just like, uh, there, there's so many great stories that need to be heard and so many lessons learned that need to be heard in that space. And at the time there really wasn't much in that arena. So. That was uh, the inspiration that that helped me uh, get going. Love that. So why the why the podcast in particular? Because um, you could say you could have started a YouTube channel or TikTok videos, Tom. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, there's the old joke of I got a face for radio, right? So you know, I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I I kind of like the podcast format because it it just at the time it was very comfortable. You know, in a, in a, I might grow into some other things. I, you know, I'm, I'm examining some of those other avenues now. However, having said that, I'm a big believer in really kind of finding your lane and, and just mastering that, right? And, and try for me, you know, how can I be the best podcast host I can be, mm -hmm. right? And how can I master that? And then, you know, perhaps look at other avenues to expand into in the future. But right now, I just want to focus on being the best podcast host I can be. Absolutely love that. So that was, it was quite a while ago, right? Because if I look at it right now, you're what, a hundred plus episodes in, uh, with Metal Yeah, I think, uh, this, yeah, I think we just published episode 223. That's much more than a hundred. It's about <laughs> 400, yeah, in about four and a half years. So, you know, yeah, we're 200 plus and we publish. Uh, on a sequence of every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, we've got a new episode coming out. Mm. And so what have you learned from those four years and a half of doing podcasting in the medtech industry, but more as a podcast host, because yeah, I think you put, you put the emphasis on it, right? I want to became, to become and be the best podcast host I can. What got in the way of that? What did you learn from the podcast and how, how did you benefit from it somehow? Yeah, I think whenever an individual starts on a journey of something new, right, you definitely out of uh, out of your comfort zone, mm. right? Because uh, I grew up in sales, so I was comfortable talking to individuals. But when you start trying to do it in an audio format or in a format where you're not in the same room with somebody, 
And then you also know that your words are going to be recorded, right? And it's going to be forever, mm -hmm. right? At first, it was feeling very uh, anxious about that, right? About making sure that I said the right things and were there too many ums and ahs. And, and all. so it's, it was really self-focused, you know? It, so what I learned was trying to overcome some of that and, and not be so focused on self, but be focused on the content, right? How can we tell the story? What can I do to help pull that story? So as I went along, it was, it really sharpened my listening skills. Hmm. And, I, I, and I prided you know, myself on uh, being in sales that I was a pretty good listener. But what I found out was I was probably an average listener. And being a host and an interviewer, you really have to pay attention to what the individual is saying to maybe pull out that little gem in there that can help enhance that story. So I, I think going through that journey, and I'm still going along that journey, I'm far from where I would ever want to be, but going through that journey, it taught me, number one, to be a better listener. Mm -hmm. And number two, to ask I think better or maybe enhanced questions along the way. A little bit of pressure put on us, Hussam. We better, we better be good on this one <laughs> <laughs> because we just emphasized how important it was. No, but I love that. And so, because now let's dig into this, Tom. How do you become better at this? Do you listen to yourself? Like after you've interviewed 200 people, how, how, how do you come around? Okay, I need to become a better listener because one might think, Hey, I'm a great listener. Look, I'm spending maybe 20% of the time of the episode just listening to it. But it's not just about that, right? It's about listening, having an active listening, being able to, as you say, pick up on those gems and say like, hey, but you said something super interesting here. Let's dig into that to make the interview better, to give even more value to the audience, but make the whole conversation much more human and flowing. How do you do that? What are the lessons you've learned from 200 episodes on becoming better at that? Yeah, there's a couple things. First of all, I do listen to every episode oh, wow. that gets gets published, right? That's part of the, you know, the, the word that comes to mind is some discipline, hmm. right? With because So I listen to every episode. Oftentimes, I'll listen to it two or three times. I, I, you know, the first time through, I like to listen just for the content. How did that go? Then I, I'll go back through and, and kind of, did I miss anything? Could I have asked a question differently? And some of the inspiration you'll you'll perhaps you'll uh, you'll enjoy this, but some of the inspiration I I have a son that's a basketball coach, cool. And he was telling me part of the discipline of coaching is you know he'll watch a game, then he watches every player in that game, and then he watches all the subs. So he goes through like film five and six times to become better and to help teach. And I thought wow, you know, that's what I should be doing here, right? And really thinking about that. So that's one piece. And the other thing is, I think it's important for a podcast host to listen to other podcasts. Hmm. So yeah, I listen to other podcasts. I listen to other interviewers, maybe not even in the med tech space, but listen to individuals out there that are very good interviewers. And they might be somebody in the news media, or they might be somebody, you know, in the entertainment area. But I, I listen to all sorts of other uh, experts and listen to how, how are they doing that? How are they phrasing a question? What is their technique? So it's, it's, it's a continual study to attempt to make yourself better 
because really, frankly, we've got a responsibility to our audience too, right? And my guests, right? Because I, if I've got a guest that's taking their valuable time to come and spend some time with me and my audience, I want to make sure I'm doing the best I can do for them. And also that individual listening, I want to make sure we can maybe ask the question that they're sitting in their car or they're sitting in their, their living room or wherever and they're going, Tom, ask this, Tom, ask this, <laughs> right? I, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm asking that question that they would ask. D does that make sense? That makes hundred percent sense. Go ahead, Sorry, I was going to say, the mark of a really good podcast host for me has always been if I'm listening to that podcast and like they ask every question I would have asked, those are the podcasts that I think everyone loves listening to most. Otherwise, it just gets annoying, right? Otherwise, you're just like, man, how do you not see that question? Or I really want to know that. Or it leaves you with something that you wish you'd gotten more out of the episode. But the job of a good host is always to represent its audience as best as possible. And that comes from... I guess you're, there's a bit of selection bias there. I guess over time, your audience is selected for the type of people that have similar insights or similar thoughts as you or whatnot. But that aspect of being attentive and listening really closely to what is the right thread to pull on and go down, I think that's probably what made you so successful over 200 episodes, Tom. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that, Sam. And and part of it too is the you know the other discipline that I have is when we're done with the podcast recording, oftentimes I'll have um, somebody from the marketing department of this thought leader that I'm with, and but I always ask the question at the end, what did you think? And I just leave it at that. And the best compliment I can get from my guest is, oh, it, that was fun. Because if it's fun, that means, you know, we, they got their message out. They were happy. They were smiling. And, and I, I think a smile comes through even through sound medium like a podcast. And then we, I always ask the, the uh, PR person or the marketing person, what did you think? Because really, they're the toughest critic, right? And if they go, oh, that was great content. I really enjoyed it. Then you know that, you know, you, you've had a good engagement. And, and that's part of it, too, making sure you're getting feedback along the way. We have a good friend, Mike Richards, who always said something to us when we first started podcasting, Tom, which was, ask your question and shut up and don't say any more. Now, you said there, like, that was fun. One thing that comes to mind when you said that was the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that people love talking about themselves and people love talking about themselves. So I think an easy way for podcasters to make sure their guest has fun is to make people feel like, yeah, I got to say everything I wanted to. I didn't feel interrupted at the wrong times. I felt like I was understood. I felt like I was heard. I felt like I was listened to. A lot of people just enjoy that generally. Is that what you find? Oh yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I, I think there's another discipline involved in that. One of the things that I do, and I can tell that you gentlemen do the same thing, your pre-show research is really important, right? And when I get information about a potential guest, I do some digging, right? It, because I want to learn the rest of the story. And it's, it's kind of fun when you can ask that question that really brings out something, you know, and they go, uh, I, I've had a couple of guests go, gosh, I really appreciate the research that you did, right? Because I'll do that research and like you, I'll send them an outline in advance so they know what we're going to talk about. We don't like surprises. But by doing that research, you can often find that little subtle thing, right? And I, I go as far back as, as digging into if it's a public company into their investor decks, 
right? Because now you can get insight into where the company's headed or what's been under development, right? And you can pull that out of the story that might not be on just a social media page or on the public relations bio they sent you. And just to um, just to pick up on something you mentioned earlier, Tom, the, the smile in the voice and you as, a, as an ex-salesperson, I think you, you know what I talk about. When you leave voice messages or even when you start pitching on the phone, what they teach you in sales training is like, yeah, like smile because people will hear it. Prospect will hear that you have a smile on, on your voice and they're like, oh yeah, okay, if he's enthusiastic about his product, it must be at least as good. So 100% and you can feel that in, in, in podcasting as well, obviously. You are like in a super intimate relationship with your listener who is putting his headphones or her headphones, folding laundry, doing some sport, whatever, commuting and listening to you for 45 minutes. Yeah, of course, they will hear the tones and the variation and like how you put your soul into into the podcast, basically. 100%. I love that. Speaking of which, Tom, you have a business next to it, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, you're a partner at Accelerator Excel Consulting? Accelerant Consulting. Mm -hmm. Right. Tell us a bit about that. Yes. What, what is it about and how... Is there any link with the podcast and how do you go around linking the two? Yeah, there is a, there is a link. Accelerant Consulting is an organization where we help innovators commercialize. So when a company gets to the point, a med tech company gets to the point where they've achieved FDA authorization or authorization to market, or it could be in the EU or what have you. But once they get that authorization to market, what we find is they've gone through this grueling pathway, right? To, you know, develop their engine, you know, their concept, their innovation, they get it engineered, they get all the pieces in place, they do all the studies to get it authorized and ready for market huge hurdle. Mm -hmm. Then they get to that point and then they go, now what? And Accelerant Consulting is there to pick up after that now what question, mm -hmm. right? Because they're trying to figure out what's my best pathway to market? How do I get there? You know, who are the key influencers that I need? You know, and there's no question that the healthcare delivery system and selling into the healthcare delivery system has gotten so much more complex, especially even in the last two years, it's gotten way more complex, you know, trying to navigate all of that, all those relationships, all the supply chain pieces, you know, what's the market access look like? All of these questions start swirling around, right? And we're there to help take that innovator and help guide them through that labyrinth of traps out there that can trip them up. Mm -hmm. So with that, the podcast ties into it because those are often the facets that I'll talk about. You know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I talk to the innovators, but we also, you know, talk, I talk to supply chain executives. I talk to value analysis professionals. We, we talk to people in distribution. So we're talking about all these facets when, and it, that helps build that network, but also I learn a ton myself. You know, I think I'm probably my best listener, right? Because I'm there firsthand and I'm I'm listening to these answers and the opportunity to learn has been amazing. Absolutely love that. And I mean, yeah, for sure. If you're listening to all the episodes yourself at least once, if not twice, yeah, I can I can I can imagine you're your best listener. 
But on top of that, the fact of um, just speaking on a weekly basis to thought leaders, to innovators, to people who fund all this activity, and even all the people gravitating around the industry, that teach, teaches you so much. And like, it's continuous. Not sure of my English here, but like, you do it on a weekly basis for years, and you just learn so much, and you get so much of an advance because that's that's probably, and I've been in consulting myself. That's probably the thing you can easily get trapped into in consulting, which is uh, you develop a super strong expertise whilst you're in the learning phase, learning mode, and then you need to deliver and you need to sell, and like you don't keep that much up to date. You don't speak to that many other people than the engagement clients that you have, whilst having the podcast forces you to do that. And you mentioned another thing at the beginning, which was the preparation you put in the episodes. Like that accounts for so much on top of it, because maybe for the hundred percent of preparation you're going to do about the guest, you're going to talk only about 20%, but that guest has so much to say about the 20% that they're going to be like having that super strong insights and good expertise in the episode, but you've learned so much just preparing for it. Is that something you can relate to? Yeah, it, it, uh, it adds a depth, right? Because you're, you're always talking to these folks, they're, they're bringing, you know, new information but I think you're spot on with the research you're doing too, you know, so it, it helps when there is a new client, now I know how to research it, or there's probably something, you know, maybe somebody I talked to six months ago, and I treat my gurus, as I call my guests, as family. <laughs> so, and I'm often making introductions. Sometimes I'll be talking to a guest and they'll be talking about a certain uh, best practice or a certain challenge they have. And in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, you need to talk to this guest I had on, you know, 30 episodes ago. And after we're done with the recording, I'll just mention that. And if they're open to it, I'll link them via email. So, you know, with no expectation, it's just, hey, this person has an expertise or this person had a journey that I think you could benefit from. Mm. And, you know, that's part of it too, is it's not always about commercialization. It's about doing the right thing just to help others. And, you know, because at the end of it, there's a patient out there somewhere that could really, really use this technology. And if we can help that come to fruition, we've done really our job for mankind. You know, I hope that's not too like out there, but that's really part of what drives me is the fact that there's a patient out there that really needs some of this and we need to get it there as fast as we can. 100%. Tom loves that. So tell us a bit about that medtech industry that you're in then. What are the things that you see and how, what are the typical things that you learn from the podcast about the medtech industry? Because now we are in there and I'm a bit curious. So what about it that makes it so special that you've evolved in it for like 20 plus years that you have a, that your partner at Accelerant Consulting and that you have a podcast about? What about that industry makes it that special? Well, first of all, what makes it special is it starts out with a privilege. I've had the privilege of working alongside of some amazing clinicians. And I, I actually refer to them as intellectual athletes, right? Because if they had that talent and they were a sports athlete, all these individuals would be superstars, right? <laughs> but they're intellectual athletes in the sense of they're working with concepts and technologies and their knowledge to help people. And I've had the privilege of, you know, meeting some just amazing clinicians, you know, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, all of, all of those specialties, 
and bring a technology to them that helps them. Mm. And it's really special when you can see that something that you brought to them worked and made their task perhaps a little easier, made the outcome a little better, and really could know that you've helped through them touch a patient and make their lives better. So that's that's part of what makes this special. And then it's a, just a constant learning, right? Because it's it's not like you're you're working with a product that's the same thing every day. You know, with what I do, I, I get so many inputs of these new technologies and these new concepts. And it, then it becomes a puzzle, right? Somebody brings a concept to you or a, a technology and they go, how do we do this? How do we get this sold? How do we commercialize this? How do we get it in the hands of those folks? And now you've got to sit back and work with them on the strategy. You've got to work with them on the pieces that they're going to need to make that successful. And it's it's a pleasure to watch something start out as a concept and then become a standard of care where all clinicians are using it. You know, so that is an incredible journey to be part of, to work with the patients, work with the clinicians, but also see a level of success because uh, you've helped contribute to something that was really unique. Can you give us a good story about that, Tom? Any products that we love and use today that you were yeah, a part I'll, of? Yeah, I'll, uh, uh, I'll take you back. There's, there's several examples, but one of my favorite, it, it actually took place about 10 or 15 years ago. It's working with a technology, a, a new cautery system for neurosurgery and spine. And it was unique in the sense that it, it was very measured in the, the types of cautery it was doing. It wouldn't damage adjacent tissue. It was a very unique product. And I introduced it to a pediatric neurosurgeon at this hospital in the Midwest. And, you know, at first they're always skeptical, right? So we, we did a couple of demos, not on patients, but we actually used flank steak, believe it or not, to show them how this would work. And he, and they, he and his team immediately thought, wow, this could be a benefit. So fast forward a couple of weeks later, we, we bring it into the uh, institution for them to try. And uh, it was an unfortunate situation with a four-year-old little girl who was partially paralyzed because she had a tethered spine. And this doctor was trying to unwind all of that. So a very long and involved surgery. I'm there helping to support the team. We're three hours into the surgery. And the surgeon looks up and he makes eye contact with me. And I tell people I'm very good at reading people's eyes because when you're in the OR, that's all you see, right? So he he makes this like laser eye contact with me and I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is either gonna be really good or it's gonna be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said, he, he goes, "It's your name's Tom, right? And I'm like, yes, yes, doctor. And he goes, um, Tom, I want you to know in front of the whole OR staff that your product so far has saved us about three hours of surgical time. And he looked over at the circulating nurse and he goes, Tom does not buy lunch today, lunch is on me, right? And then went back and stories like that, right? Where, you know, you're working with a highly skilled surgeon that's trying to help this four-year-old little girl that what could be better than that? No, 100%. It's it's nice, I guess, when your work has actual meaning to it. And I can share a story of mine. I used to work in uh, the consumer goods industry and uh, I used to work in engineering. And so we were in product manufacturing, trying to build processes, equipment, install factories to make essentially soap. I remember peak COVID, we, you know, as 
we were doing this huge revamp of a factory in Belgium, um, you know, spending like 15 hour days, long hours, spending millions of dollars on it. And, and like that pressure of all that was on you at the time. I remember reading an article once uh, about Pfizer uh, doing like the vaccinations and how all, you know, they're going to reduce production for like two weeks. And then after which the production should go up by 50%. I was thinking, yeah, I work in production. I understand what they're doing. They're probably shutting down half the plant so they can install a faster machine or something like this and they're going up again. And I had this moment when it dawned on me when it went, wait a second, I'm stressing out. Because I was thinking there's an engineer just like me sitting in that factory doing the exact same job I'm doing. I'm doing it for soap. He's doing it for, he's doing it for vaccines. And that kind of hit me. I was like, wow, I'm doing it for soap and he's doing it for vaccines. And <laughs> so, regardless of where you sit about the vaccine debate, I mean, at the end of the day, life-saving medicine, yeah. whichever form it is, um, I'm sure has, uh, and I went home early that day and I said, look, maybe I shouldn't stress over soap so much. <laughs> <laughs> and let the vaccine guys stress so over the vaccine. It's important that cleanliness is very important. It, it definitely right? is. And that's what a lot of people have told me since as well. <laughs> but I, yeah, the fulfillment of actually being in an industry where, sure, people get fulfillment out of their job itself, but also being in an industry where the impact of the job is also fulfilling. Um, I can imagine it's a very, very interesting thing. And I'm sure it's a very lucky individual that gets to be in those kind of fields where they enjoy their job and they enjoy the outcomes of their job, which it seems like is what you do. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and it's, it's, and I, that's, I call it a privilege because you are invited into this world, right? Where you're, you're trying to do that and, and you've got to handle it in a re very responsible manner, right? And, you know, the integrity that's involved in it and making sure that you're doing all the right things because you know it's it there are people's lives involved in this and you want to make sure that you're doing the best to help them no 100 i can see that you definitely understand the weight of that responsibility which is incredibly respectful as well tom so credit you for that for sure so take us to yeah, the you. way that these two things are linked together so what does your podcast do for your business and perhaps even vice versa yeah, so they are linked together and, you know, the podcast just, as we've touched on, helps with some of that networking, helps with staying current. But it also really, you start working and getting involved with these thought leaders and it really helps amplify one's own thought leadership. You know, that's, that's maybe one of the other things that surprised me, you know, as I took my journey over this last four and a half years my own thought leadership has evolved with that, right? And it's only because of getting this content out on a regular cadence every week, every week, every week, which is a discipline in itself, as, as you fellas know for sure. So that awareness, right, of providing value to the community through something like a podcast, all of a sudden it brings credibility to your organization. Right. And we all know that, you know, individuals like to buy from those they know, like, and trust. Well, what a better way than having them hear your voice every week to bring value to them, right? And to bring insights from a thought leader that, uh, you know, helps them. That really helps create that know, like, and trust piece that all of a sudden when you start working with them, they're go, oh, you know, this, so they already know you as a, as an individual in many ways. So you've, you've advanced through some of those hurdles. The other piece that they're linked is many times that I'll be working with a client 
that came in through whatever way they came to our organization and learn about their story. And it's a value add that I can also add for a client going, hey, you know, you've got a great story here. You've got a great technology. We have a way of amplifying that. So, and sometimes having a client on the podcast to tell their story that, you know, and it's, it's their story and it's what their technology is involved with and their own thought leadership. It's not an infomercial, by the way. <laughs> it's really helping amplify their own thought leadership, then therefore helping amplify what they're doing. And were those like synergies and interdependencies uh, intentional when you set out? And if so, were there any that were a little unintentional that you saw as a benefit out of your podcast? Well, Sam, first of all, I wish I was that smart, <laughs> but I'm not, right? It, it was really more of, you know, can I teach an old dog new tricks? Really, was the, you know, where that all started from, right? And just kind of seeing where this all would go. But it was as we went through this journey, kind of realizing of, wow, you know, there, there's things that can happen here, right? Because podcasts, you know, are all over, you know, these days. But when we started, they, they're, they're still kind of special. And we had, I had no idea where this might go, that I might do, you know, three episodes and that would be it. Or, you know, who knows, right? I, I don't think at the time I'd ever even considered the fact that I might have 200 plus episodes out there. But it was really more of just, you know, this looks interesting. Let's see if we can do it. And it, that's really been kind of the surprise is how it amplifies, right? Uh, you know, all the downloads you get in, you know, globally then, you know, the value that you gain from that in terms of some of that thought leadership. And then, you know, sitting down and, and thinking about, all right, how can we make these connections stronger, right? In the sense of what can we do to interweave some of this to gain extra value for our customers, our clients, and, and my, my guests. Does that make sense? hundred percent. One of the biggest challenge that we see in podcasting is uh, consistency, Tom. It's being able to, yeah, of course, when you start out and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a few episodes out. That's cool. I'm going to get to network, talk to people, have a nice time, maybe even start building an audience. But then when it comes to, okay, we are one year in, uh, we are less than 50 episodes because we weren't able to stick to it once a week, as we said we were. Um, that's, that's really the difficulty for a lot of podcasters. You're up to hundred episodes plus. Um, after four years, so that that's basically going going at it for four years without missing an episode, without missing a week almost. How did you do that? It really comes down to discipline, right? And in creating a process, which which I which I did. So initially, I I was you know trolling LinkedIn, trying to find guests, you know, <laughs> inviting people asking friends, you know, associates to come on the podcast, but it does take a discipline. You got to, I set aside time, right. And a busy schedule to make sure that I'm developing the right outlines. The phenomenal thing that's happened for me over the last couple of years is because we're out there, a lot of public relation agencies and others have discovered my podcast. So the difficulty of finding guests has really, you know, lessened because now I have the, the honor and privilege, privilege of these organizations bringing guests to me. Hmm. And in, 
thought leaders that when I started, it were like, you know, fantasy land to be, oh, it'd be great if I could get this person from like J&J or 3M or whatever, you know, and now, you know, they're coming to me, right? And it's like, you know, so that process has become very much easier. Having said that, it also creates that other responsibility coming back to discipline where you've got to do the research. You've got to write a solid outline. You've got to be, you know, we work around their busy schedules as well. You know, and then in like the two of you, I know, you know, I know you've done, you know, recordings at 10 o'clock in the evening. Me too. Oh, we did. Right. Because, right? <laughs> you know, you're working around very busy people's schedules, but it, it comes down to treating them like customers. I, I tell the PR agencies and my guests, you know, you're, in a sense, you're my customer. You're my podcast customer because I want to treat you like that. So, you know, working through and, and trying to make it as easy as possible for them. But it's that discipline of making sure that you've tightened everything up to the point where I even have written best practices. I've got two guidelines of what to expect, you know, one with my process and one to what to expect on recording day. And we send that in advance right? Mm -hmm. Because I found that it's respectful for them, but really it also helps me because it minimizes people having, you know, dogs in the room, <laughs> you know, being in these noisy, you know, situations or being in a noisy office or what have you. So by helping to pre prepare them. So it's those little things that really add up to helping, you know, get through the process. And now at this point, you know, I basically have some templates that I work with. You know, I know what I'm going to do, right? When I see a guest, I know how I'm going to go research them. You know, I've got certain outline templates that I can work with and enhance and be questions and those types of things. So that really helps to make that process quicker. The other thing that is really worth noting is building a team. Right. Initially, I went out and, and I, I thought at first, well, you know, maybe I can edit this, you know, maybe I can put this all together. And I, I quickly learned that that was not the case. So I, I went out and found a professional editor producer. I'll give him a plug. His name is Jason Camps. He's in Miami. Shout out. And he's, yeah, yeah, a little shout out there. He's, he's done every one of my episodes for four and a half years. Wow. Right. The other thing we do that's fun is I've also have a um, work with a graphic artist, Julia Donna Grandy. I'll give her a shout out. One of the things we do is we do episode art for every one of our guests. We title the episode, we put in their, their photo headshot, we use our logo, and Julia is phenomenal. She puts all this together, usually in a day or two, and we send it over to them as a proof, and then we give it to them. Is, is so in the not so hidden agenda is if they use it and they promote it, then people come become aware of the podcast. So, you know, that's one of the other little things that we do, but it's thinking about all those pieces and getting that all lined up with some very solid people to help you and lift up what you're trying to do to help get that out there. I like that strategy. That's smart. Tom, would you mind if we send you a, a little artwork after this uh, recording and yeah, uh, you can publish sure. it wherever you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, that's, but that's smart, actually. That's really good yeah. because that, that's one of the things that, uh, I mean, that, not that we struggle with because usually people like to reshare, right, that they've been on the show. Like it's, it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good social proof. It's good authority. And it's more like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm being recognized as a thought leader in this industry. So mm -hmm. check it out. But like you go a step further, you say, hey, guys, here are the deliverables. Do whatever you want with it. 
And eventually, it's even more of an incentive to publish themselves directly and, and put that link towards your podcast. So you don't have to grow the audience because that, that's what we always say, right? Podcast is an amazing channel. Like we, we, we love it and we obviously believe in it a lot because we have two podcasts on our own, uh, but you need to market it. And that's a very, very good tip to market your show, actually. I like that. Yeah. yeah there, is, um, there is much more to unpack in what you said here, Tom. Um, first thing I'd like to touch upon is in terms of preparation, I don't think we've spoken with somebody so far that has such a regulated industry in which they evolve in. Obviously, I mean, medical devices, services, tech in general is extremely regulated. And I suspect the guests that you have also tied with this kind of regulations, right? You need to walk around them. How do you go about that? How does it work? Thank you for the question. First of all, it's a very good question because that's the subtle part of the outline. Right. When, when I'm working with getting these individuals scheduled, I talk about that outline in the process because they are, you know, they're, they're regulated by all of the, you know, medical authorities, FDA and EU and, and all those out there, right, that they've got to be very careful. Then you add to it that if they're also part of a public company, hmm. then they've got securities and exchange commissions and all of that they've, that are regulating them as well. So... I've had a couple of individuals go, well, you know, he just likes to wing it or she just likes to wing it. It's like, no, <laughs> we're not going there, right? Because the last thing that we all want is for somebody to go, oops, they shouldn't have said that, right? Can we edit that out, right? And then, as you know, it becomes extra work, but also, you know, it becomes a very, very deep concern. So sending them that outline in the context of, this is what we'll be talking about. Be prepared because we don't want to step into any traps or any issues with any regulatory agencies out there. So you, you really have to be top of mind as to what's going on out there. And the other thing is, you know, there's been a couple of occasions, you know, we use a platform similar to one you use uh, where I've been working with somebody and, and they'll go, oops, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Right. And you know, much like I'm sure you do, I'm taking notes all the way along and there's, you know, on the outline, you know, note to Jason at, you know, 1452, you know, we got to edit this out, right? And, and we, you know, we can do a reboot, right? We can ask the question again and we can work through that. But, it, you know, it's, you just got to be cognizant of it and uh, be very aware that we are working in a regulatory, regulated industry. And also the other thing is oftentimes I'll ask a question, you know, about the future you know, couch it with, you know, we don't want to give away any trade secrets here, but where, you know, where's your company going to in the future, right? Because we don't want them to step on any issues with intellectual property either, right? So, yeah. you know, we, we're, we're dancing around some of that in a way that we can still tell the story. Makes lots of sense. Another thing, Tom, that you mentioned that I'd like to dig into a bit, um, you mentioned uh, getting the team behind yourself. Lots, lots of podcasters make that mistake when they start, um, especially when they have a business next to it. Uh, they think that they can just do it all. And as a typical entrepreneur syndrome, right? You need to do everything perfectly and you're good and you can, you're a one man show basically. We had some guests on the show and we've talked to a lot of people who also, um, it happened to them. You just get burned out because um, it's not just recording. It's, as you said, prepping at the beginning, even finding the guest and then doing the whole post-production and then getting it live and then posting eventually something on LinkedIn or whatever social media because, hey, you need to market it. And then following up with the guests, hey, by the way, the episode is live, do you mind sharing or whatever you want to, however you want to interact with the guests. That's a lot of work. And I like what you said here, like this, sorry, what's, what's his name again of uh, the guy? Oh, who does Jason. 
Jason Camps. Yeah. Jason Camps. He is with you for four years and a half. So if I understand correctly, from the get-go, you had somebody helping you with that. How come, like, how come you didn't start by yourself and then went into, okay, well, definitely it's becoming too much. I'm going to get external help. What made you think from the beginning, I need to get external help? Yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to the, the time and value, right? I really quickly realized that if I tried to edit this, I would do a very poor job and it would probably take me all day, right? So what's the value of that, right? How much, you know, put a value on whatever your time is worth, you know, whatever that number might be versus sending it to somebody like Jason who can take that and edit it in an hour and charge me, you know, whatever is our, so in, and maybe I, I hope Jason's not listening to this, but it really, Jason's a bargain, right? <laughs> because he's doing in an hour and charging me his hourly rate, which I'm happy to pay because he just saved me, you know, eight hours of frustration, right? <laughs> You know, and if I was doing all that editing, I'd probably be on a 12-step program or something by now, right? <laughs> just because it would, it would just drive me bonkers. And to be able to turn it over to somebody that's very professional, it just made sense because the quality is amazing. He does an amazing job, right? And it's repeatable. You know, every every time it's going to be right there, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, it's, it's so 100% worth it. And, you know, you listen to other podcasters, right? You listen to business podcasters and what do they tell you? the stuff that you don't like to do, delegate, find mm -hmm. somebody to do it for you, right? Whether, you know, maybe you hate bookkeeping and accounting. Well, guess what? Go find an accountant. You know, maybe you need help legally. Go find a good lawyer. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not good with operations, you know, whatever. Find that authority, find that expert that can help you because number one, they like doing it. And number two, they're going to be so much better than you could ever even dream you could be at it. So just get it off your plate and you'll sleep better at night. Amen. So that's that's absolutely awesome. And whilst we're there, can you walk us through what would be your advices to new podcasters? So I like to, I like to call them the wannabe podcasters. So obviously here we are the B two B podcasters, but there are people listening to us who are just like, hey, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, but I'm not too sure yet. Or podcasters who are in the in the field already, having 30, 40, 100 episodes in, but are like, okay, I'm either getting frustrated with that or not getting the results I want from the podcast. What are your advice for them? But the first piece of advice is really around passion. Make make sure that your uh, your podcast and your endeavor is around your passion, which which seems rather obvious. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be excited because you're going to dedicate a lot of time. You know, and it's going to be something you want to learn about. I was talking to a, a gentleman that you know, was very successful, and he helped other podcasters. And he's like, it's it's amazing the size of audiences out there. He was helping a woman that was did a podcast on how to crochet, right? <laughs> and it was very successful. You know, this person, she was making like 20 grand a month for just, you know, ads and all this kind of stuff, right? You know, it's like, okay, but that was her passion. So there's an, it, the, number one, there's an audience for whatever your passion is out there, right? Because as we touched on earlier, it's, it's you know, globally, right? You know, there's all these people that can access it. So, you know, there's niches out there that you can help with. And, and you know, just it's one of those things where if you've got the, the feeling like you want a podcast or you want to enhance your podcast, just just go for it, right? Just, just go out and start doing it. I mean, it's there's really low cost. There are very little financial barriers to get into it. And, you know, I, I bought a microphone when I first started for 
like $65 US, right? So, I mean, it's, it wasn't a, a big investment. You know, a lot of the platforms that you can record on are, you know, not that expensive. And so for a very low dollar amount, you can start. But the other thing is that continual learning, right? I think a lot of individuals, I, I was guilty of this too, thinking initially, well, I'm going to be great. Or if I'm not great, you know, gee, am, am, am I going to continue on? Well, you've got to accept that, you know, whether you're playing a musical instrument, you're trying to get in sports, you're trying to, you know, launch new technology, it, it's a journey, right? You know, and you're not going to be an expert the first time out. You know, you've got to make some mistakes, you got to listen to it, you got to adjust. So being willing to be open to those small but continuous improvements is important. Don't start a podcast if you're not passionate about the topic that you're going to talk, talk about. Could yes. agree more with that. And I would even add, I mean, if you want to pick up right on the answers from your guests, if you want to dig into certain topics, you're gonna, as you said, you're gonna have to spend so much time into it, but also to make it interesting, like to make it a success, because eventually as a podcaster, that that's what you want, right? Whatever that success is, either it's growing the audience, either it's targeting that particular niche that you want to be in, networking with even people from your industry. If they, if people, the guests first, the customers, as you say, Tom, or even the, the listeners, if, the, if they don't feel that passion from you for the topic that they are passionate about, they'll be like, yeah, but that person, I cannot relate to that person. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get elsewhere. So absolutely love that. So passion, being able to surround yourself with, um, with the right people, you need it with Jason, that person who helps you with the, with the graphics. What was your biggest challenge then? Because you, ta you tackled from the get-go, the external help. Uh, you were obviously passionate about it. You were in the industry for 20 years already. What has been throughout those 200 episodes, the biggest challenge you've encountered? Yeah, I think initially it was just some of the scheduling, you know, trying to find guests, trying to, you know, get things out there. The other piece of it is I struggled with, and, you know, I think might be helpful to your listeners is defining success. What is, what is success for your podcast really mean? MedTech is fairly niche right? You know, so I, I tell, you know, when I talk to public relations people and publicists, you know, it's like, I'm never going to be a Joe Rogan with, you know, 20 million <laughs> listeners, right? That's just not going to happen. But really understanding what success is all about, right? And, and making sure that you're kind of focused on that because it does take a long time, right? To build an audience. You know, I've heard some very, very uh, high-powered, you know, millions of listener podcast hosts talk about it. it takes them three or four years before they really started to see that level of engagement. So, you know, that patience and defining success is really important in terms of what you're, you know, what you're going to be able to do and kind of keep you involved in it and, you know, kind of keep you going that day to day. And then try, just try to have fun with it. For me, you know, it's fun. But some of those early challenges, you know, coming back to your question of really trying to define success, really trying to say, you know, gosh, it takes discipline. What can I do? Because, you know, at first I was kind of, you know, free ranging. I felt a little frustrated and unsettled because it wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. And once I started to develop my own process that I felt was repeatable, it, it did make it easier. And I found that it was, uh, the result was better. I was really starting to like what I heard myself, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we are all our toughest critics. So I was able to really ad address my toughest critic being me. I love that. Tom, we want to, we want to start 
ritual at the end of the at the end of our episodes, which is actually you touched upon at the beginning, which is interesting. Like in order to get better as a host, as a podcaster, you need to listen to your own episodes, but also to other people to see what they do. And we had that we had that comment from quite some people. So I'd like to ask you, and you'll be the first guest with whom we say that. Can you recommend us three podcasts on top of MedTech Gurus? Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna put the link in the description. But three podcasts that you're listening to, idly in the B two B space, that you would recommend listening because hey, they are good, but they're also like good examples to follow. Yeah, you know, one of the first ones that uh, comes to mind was a group called uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire mm-hmm. with uh, John Lee. He was one of my inspirations that that really got me going. So that that's one. Then, gosh, there's so many others. You know, in the med tech space, I'm I'm somewhat at a loss. Uh, there's there's another one that is called the Med Tech Business Academy. Mm-hmm. That one I have to admit, once in a while, I'm a panelist on that. But they they bring up a, a panel, and then uh, there's another one: women in healthcare. Hmm. Women in no, I'm sorry, I, women in med tech. You know that's kind of focused on the the, the challenges and the journey of uh, of women in, in this industry, and I'll share with you one other thing that that I think you'll probably get a kick out of in terms of something that I listen to regularly. There is a particular radio. He was initially known as a shock jock, and he still does some of that. There's a but what I enjoy about this personality is he interviews a lot of entertainment and music celebrities. And they'll do a, a, anywhere from a one to two hour interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name is Howard Stern. And, you know, he, he's, he does a lot of shock jock things. He's on Sirius Radio. But he does these interviews of these stars that are quite good, right? You know, everything from he's had Keith Richards on, he's had Dolly Parton on, he just had Green Day on, you know, you know, just all the uh, Barbara Streisand was a guest, all mm-hmm. of these individuals. Uh, and he's he's really a good interviewer. And when I work out, I listen to his interviews of these guests. And he just that's another one that's an influence on me. Um, believe it or not, that helps me with what I do because he asks some really, really good questions and he does very good research. Nice. So here you go, guys, uh, for you listening to this podcast right now. Once you're done with binging all the episodes from B2B Podcast Series and MedTech Gurus, you can go on Entrepreneurs on Fire, MedTech Business Academy, where you will get to hear Tom, actually, Women in MedTech and Howard Stern. Tom, thank you so much. If people want to know more about you, your show, your business, where should they go? Yeah, so for the show, you know, they can search just MedTech Gurus on any of their uh, platforms and will pop up. You can even you just Google it. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, Thomas L. Hickey. You can find me on LinkedIn. Accelerant Consulting is E-X-C-E-R-L-E-A-N-T consulting.com. You can, if you want to learn more about the consulting business, mm-hmm. but really probably the, and, and I do have a, a MedTech Gurus website too put a .com at the end of MedTech Gurus and you'll find the website. So we're out there, we're all over the place, right? So, but I would think uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect with me first because I do put a link to all my episodes there as well. Awesome. We put all the links in the description. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It's been very enjoyable and it's been been an honor to participate with the, the two of you gentlemen today. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com.
Have a great day.